But uh, good morning, everyone. I, I really am impressed that all of you made it through the rain, as Arjun was saying. Uh, I was picking up Brian the other day. We were driving, and uh, <laughs> he gets in the car. He looks at the car door, and there's little divots on the side. He says, oh, whoa, is there supposed to be a pool of water in here? I'm like, no, no, there's, <laughs> there's not supposed to be. <laughs> um, but thank you for letting me know. I will bail that out maybe tomorrow, seeing as it will continue to fill in my car as we speak. <laughs> That's okay. Well, we're starting a, a new series today on discipleship to Jesus. Well, it's not there. Deep, strong, resilient, becoming disciples of Jesus. And so being the first one uh, to speak, I'd like to just first briefly share uh, the motivation for why we thought this was important to talk about and our hope for what everyone will get out of it. There's nothing quite as challenging, I think, as trying to explain or talk about our Christian faith to non-Christians. And I think that's the case because they're actually usually the ones who tend to ask really good questions. Uh, I've had some friends ask me, you know, why, why are some Christians so mean? I mean, why do they do bad things, right? We, we, we talk a lot about stuff, and, and it's true. Honestly, we, we can be mean sometimes, if we're being honest. And, and that's because we're all sinners, right? Just like the next person. And so, naturally, we might say something like, well, well Christians aren't perfect, we're just forgiven. And that's true, too, right? We, we aren't perfect, we won't be perfect. And, by the grace of God, we are forgiven, but this is where the really good questions come out. So if Christians are forgiven, does that mean they can just do whatever they want, whatever bad thing they want, and get away with it, right? Because you're forgiven, right? And we go, oh, well, no, well. And we have to think, okay, well, maybe we would say, well, our love for God makes us not want to do those bad things anymore. Again, that's pretty true, right? then the response to that might be, but you still do bad things. You, my friend, who I know. So, so what's going on? Is it that you don't love God enough? Is there something I'm missing? Because it's not fully adding up what you're telling me. Good questions. And in our more honest moments, I think we have to take these challenges seriously and really ask ourselves, why do I still do the things that I know to be wrong? Or why, why do I still do the wrong things that I don't actually want to do? I, I do hate doing these things, but I find myself doing them over and over and over again. Or, or why do I sometimes have a hard time doing the things that I know are good, even good for myself and the people around me? I am forgiven but why do I still get so angry with others? Or why do I have contempt for my coworkers, my own family, or just people on the road? I am forgiven, and that's good news, but why am I still so anxious and worried, or stressed, impatient, rushed all the time? Why does the reality of my life not match up with what I was told I could expect for being a Christian? 
brothers and sisters, it, it should not be this way. Or rather, it, it need not be this way. But the goal of this series is not to tell you that you should be more loving or, or that you should do certain things, that you should be less angry, that you should be more patient. I think you already know all that, right? You've already been told that. And for the most part, those things are pretty obvious. The goal is not to tell you that you should be a certain way, but rather to show you how you can become the kind of person who naturally is these things, patient, kind, gentle, loving, that you can become that kind of person over time. That's the goal for this series. But where do we start? Well, I think it's good for us to review the basics. That's simply, what is the good news? What is the gospel? And we've heard it a million times, right? Jesus died for my sins, so now I get to go to heaven when I die. Now that's basically right, right? That's, that's the gospel in, in one sentence. I'm suggesting to you that that is not all that Jesus came to give and not all that he talked about. Now, I need some disclaimers. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that Jesus didn't die for our sins. He did. And I'm not saying that going to heaven when we die is not good news. That's pretty good news. I think we can all agree. The forgiveness of our sins by Christ's death and resurrection are beyond anything we could have ever hoped for, and certainly anything that we could have done for ourselves, by ourselves. I'm not saying that these things aren't true. I am saying there's more. I'm saying that Jesus has not only accounted for life after death, but life here and now, today. I'm saying that Jesus not only frees us from the guilt of sin, but also the bondage to sin. I'm saying that we can become genuinely changed people now, even if that doesn't mean perfection. We can become people who are actively involved in what God is doing for good in the world today. No longer ruled by anger, no longer ruled by anxiety, but ruled by love and making everyday life decisions on the basis of love and that we would do this naturally, consistently, even easily. But to be honest, that sounds a little bit hard, right? When we try to not be angry or whatever it is, it's hard. It's hard to not live life uh, being anxious. So where are we going to find the resources to actually embark on this project of life? And, and that's really the one question that I hope to answer today. Where are we going to find the resources to actually go through with this? Now, next week, we'll talk more about the, the how we do this, how we go about learning this, and we'll give you practical, even actionable steps. But this week, it's, it's the foundation. What is going to be underlying all of this? What's going to hold you up the whole way through? Well, for that, we turn to the gospel that Jesus preached and his understanding 
of how things really are in this world. So, first, the gospel according to Jesus. For that, we turn to Matthew 4, verse 23. It says, Now he was going all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news, that's the word gospel, right? The good news of his coming, death, and resurrection. Oh, I, I made a mistake, didn't I? The good news of the kingdom. Did you guys know it said that? I actually did not know that it said the good news of the kingdom when I was first turned on to this. Again, his death and resurrection is good news. That's why it's called Good Friday, right? But this is the gospel he's preaching, the gospel of the kingdom. What is this gospel of the kingdom? What is he talking about? Well, actually, it's mentioned a little bit earlier in Matthew 4, verse 17. It says, Jesus began to teach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, repent, I know, is a loaded term. Let me suggest to you that it does not necessarily mean fall on your face and feel really, really sorry for yourself. Although you might do that if you feel so compelled to do that. But repent in Greek, the word is metanoete, would be better translated as change your mind or change how you are understanding things. Meta, like metamorphosis, change your understanding of things. And this is perfectly followed up by Jesus' Sermon on the Mount right after he says this in Matthew 4. And he follows the pattern of saying, you've heard it said one way, you've known things one way, I tell you, it's a different way. It's not like that. Change your thinking. Change how you've understood the world and, and how things work because the kingdom of heaven has come near. And, and let's not be too quick to breeze over that last phrase too, has come near. Other translations use at hand. Now, at hand just means right here, right in front of you. It would be like your GPS saying, turn right for your exit is at hand. Okay, time to turn right. It's right there. Our GPS would never say that, would it? That'd be kind of weird. That's the King James version of the GPS, I guess. <laughs> but th this is Jesus, right? Looking directly into people's eyes and saying, the kingdom of heaven is present. It's, it's not far away in time. It's not far away in, in space. It's right here, right now. And we might want to substitute the kingdom of heaven with the phrase, the kingdom all around us. And I really can't emphasize that point enough. The temptation for all of history has been to think of God and, and his kingdom as being in only in a particular place, which coincidentally is probably not where I am right now, or maybe uh, will, something that will come later in time. So again, not where I am currently in time. But what good would that be? What good is something that is both far away and not here yet? The story of the people of God has been learning that God 
is present. God is with us. Have I, have I made this point? Have I drawn it out enough? Should we practice even saying it out loud? And you're thinking, oh, he's not actually going to make us say it out loud, right? <laughs> All right, get ready. I'm, 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 I'm going to ask that you repeat after me. God is here. God is with us. God is with me. Okay, what about when you go home after this? What do you say? Great. Okay, what about when your kid gets upset and they storm out of the room and they slam the door behind them? Yeah, you're, you're not sure, right? You're like, I don't know anymore. God is with me. God is with you in that situation, too. What about when your Southwest flights get canceled right in the middle of the holidays and you're not sure if you'll get to see family or make it back to work on time? This is a real story for many of us, right? What do you say? Even in that, yes. So that's the kingdom all around us. That is God with us. But but this raises the question, well, what is this kingdom like? No. Is, is this good news or, or is this bad news? Should I be worried or happy? I don't know. After all, it, it wouldn't be good news if, for example, you heard, behold, the kingdom of the People's Republic of North Korea is at hand. Not good news, right? Well, we turn to Jesus' opening statements on his Sermon on the Mount in what is known as the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes don't give us requirements for how to enter into the kingdom They give us a snapshot of what this kingdom is already like. And so he opens it up. Blessed are the spiritually poor. The spiritually poor are blessed. Who who are the spiritually poor? Those who don't quite get it, uh, who aren't good at praying, those who maybe just aren't as spiritual as some other folks. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. They can enter in too. Blessed are those who mourn. Those who are deeply distressed are blessed. These might be those who have lost a child, lost a parent, lost their job, lost their mobility due to health issues. Even these find comfort in this kingdom. That, that's the kind of kingdom this is. Blessed are the humble, those who are small in the world's eyes. These might be the ones who are called doormats. People walk all over them. They don't make it very far because others keep taking credit for their work. Uh, maybe they're always asked for those inconvenient favors and they always say yes because They just can't bring themselves to say no, even though sometimes maybe they really need to. Bless, because their Father in heaven provides for them too. And that's just half the list that he mentions here in Matthew 5. This is a kingdom where the forgettable are not forgotten, where the broken and beaten down are built back up. 
We're those who are looked over by the rest of the world and are of not much importance, are actually visited by God himself. Where those who are not provided for or, or can't provide for themselves are taken care of by God, and they can count on that. This is a kingdom where people can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. This is what we mean by life abundant and, and something that can be accessed here and now. This is the kingdom of heaven at hand. A very different world maybe than we're, we're used to thinking of when we look at the world around us, to be honest. This is a kingdom active and alive and, and present all around us. But... Don't just take it from me. Let's listen to a few other people's testimonies and experiences with this kingdom. Well, first, I have one account from the Psalms of someone's experience with this kingdom. You can just listen. I love the Lord because he's heard my appeal for mercy. Because he's turned his ear to me, I'll call out to him as long as I live. The ropes of death were wrapped around me and the torments of Sheol overcame me. I encountered trouble and sorrow. I, I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. Well, our Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is compassionate. The Lord guards the inexperienced. I was helpless, and he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, rescued me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living a bit poetic. But here's Hagar's account in Genesis. She's a servant woman sent out into the desert to die with her son, Ishmael. And they had one skin of water. They run out of the water. You don't last very long in the desert without water. And they're about to die. It says, God heard the boy crying and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what's the matter, Hagar? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up, take him by the hand. I'll make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. So she went, filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. But these stories, they're from a long time ago, right? They're Sunday school stories. Things are different now, right? Well, it looks like someone in our own congregation who will remain anonymous for reasons that will become clear, 
um, they were running into some trouble and they were involved in some things that they probably just should not have been involved with. One night, riding on their motorcycle to do some business, let's say, they get nailed by a car in the middle of the intersection. They're lying on the side of the road, bleeding out, thinking, okay, this is it. I'm going to die. Well, paramedics come, doctors do their thing. It turns out they're going to be okay, if not just a little bit beat up. A miracle on its own, right? But that's not it. In comes a policeman carrying their backpack. Now remember what I said. This person was involved in some things they should not have been involved in. Police officer asks, is this your bag? Yeah. Okay, now I'm done for. This is it. For real this time. Okay, well, here you go. Hope you get better. He didn't even check the bag. Had he checked the bag, that would have meant a very different story. But that's the kingdom. That's God watching over this person. Now, I want to ask, is, is that a little too scandalous of a story for us? I mean, I mean, this person clearly was not exactly what we would call a good person or a righteous person under God's standards, obviously. Nevertheless, blessed. This is someone in our own congregation. I, I hope that this is at least starting to stretch what we're willing to accept as to who is blessed or who can be blessed in this open and generous kingdom of heaven. Well, again, it looks like the psalm we're all familiar with. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Even though I lost my job and my financial security is in question, I will not be afraid for you are with me. Even though I had another hard fight with my spouse, I will not be afraid. You are with me. You will see us through this. Even though it feels like my world is falling apart, and I don't know what to do or which way to go, I will not be afraid because I know you are with me. But what I'm trying to get at with all of this talk of the kingdom of heaven, the Beatitudes, these testimonies, is that all of it, God's kingdom, God's presence, God's active interaction and involvement in our lives and the world around us, what I'm trying to get at is that it's all really real. And I used that phrase the other day, really real. And uh, after I said it out loud, I thought it was a kind of a silly thing to say. I thought, really real? What's wrong with just real? Does that not mean real? Well, if I say really real, then you might think, oh, he's not talking about like that 
CGI made up for real. He means like really real. He's serious. Yeah, I'm really serious. This is really real. Okay, but, but what does this have to do with discipleship? That's, that's the sermon series, right? In the coming weeks, we're going to be focusing on how we become the kinds of people who naturally don't get angry, naturally are anxious, naturally are loving, naturally live from this kind of reality. Um, but we're, we're never going to have the resources to actually go through with that if, if Jesus' claims about the kingdom of heaven all around us and, and God with us is not really real. And we really, really believe that. We would never learn that it's okay to not take matters into our own hands or that it's okay to not compromise on moral goodness. We would never know these things if we are not certain that we will be taken care of. If we do not genuinely believe, blessed am I, for the kingdom of heaven is mine. If these things are not true, well then the reality is we live in a cruel and hostile world and survival of the fittest is the next logical step. And so honestly, you're better off doing whatever you can to get ahead of the next person. But if what I have said is true, if the kingdom of heaven and God with us today is really real, if the testimonies I shared are true and still happening today, and I know they are, well, then we do well to reconsider how we've been thinking of things. Change your understanding of things. The kingdom of heaven is not only really real, it's here and active. But if I had to guess, I'd say that some of us don't really believe this is really real. I'd guess you're thinking, okay, I I've heard this before, and it does sound nice, but it doesn't really sound like my experience. It's nice, but it's not in touch with reality. I mean, you know, what did I say earlier? Blessed are the doormats. More like, blessed are the rich, smart, and successful, for they always get what they want. Okay, fair point. And if that's where we're at today, that's okay. I really do mean that. that that's okay. God is very gracious and patient. He will meet us where we're at. And I have to be honest, when I heard this stuff for the first time, I was first introduced to this idea of the kingdom. I didn't embrace it right away. I thought, you know, is, is all that, is that really right? Can I really believe all of that? I mean, it, it does sound like a bit of a different message that I've been taught all these years. And it almost sounds too good to be true, so I should probably be a little bit cautious about it, right? Well, you know what? God has been gracious to me as well these past few years. Now, heaven's always been near. He's just given me eyes to see it at different moments. 
I went back and read a journal entry I wrote uh, just over two years ago. That was around when I was first introduced to this topic of the kingdom of heaven. I won't read to you all the details of what I wrote in that entry, but, but here's some of what I wrote. As I sit here writing this, I find myself taking in one of the happiest moments of my life. All is good, all is right. God is here with us. We haven't a worry in this world or a thing to do but to enjoy God in our presence, in this very room, in this very moment in time. For that moment, for that one snapshot of my life, it was as if heaven broke through and became reality here on earth. I look forward to an eternity more of it. Now I admit, not every waking moment of my life is like that. But it has been so more and more. I've seen heaven breaking through in my own marriage, in my own battle with mental health, in moments when I'm sitting all by myself and I have this awareness that I'm not really all by myself. I'm not alone. I've seen it break through in the hopeless circumstances where I would normally want to just give up, run away. And yet I find there at my right hand the resources and, and the power to not give up, to do what I thought was impossible or just hopeless, pointless even. It's a kind of energy that can only be described as from heaven, as God with me. And those moments do not disappoint. Believe me, I don't have this down perfectly. I still have a lot to learn. But I intend to do just that. Learn and grow. And that's okay. But look, I, I can tell you what the Bible says. I can tell you all these testimonies from other people. I can tell you my own experience with this, but I know that this will not be really real until you experience it for yourself. And that's okay. If that is you, then I say, come and see for yourself. Are you tired of always being so anxious and worried all the time. Come and see a new way to live life. Are you tired of always being so upset and getting so upset and angry all the time? Come and see a new way. Are you tired of knowing the right thing to do, wanting to do the right thing, and yet when it comes down to it, doing uh, the very thing that you hate to do and you know is wrong? Do you feel helpless and stuck in that sort of situation? Well, there's help for you too in the kingdom. Come and see for yourself. For the most part, with some exceptions, this is not a light switch moment. It's progressive. 
It takes time. We are learning a new way to understand what is really real. Changing our minds, changing our understanding about things. But it's just that, learning. Last week, Pastor Calvin called us to dedicate ourselves to God. And one practical way we can do this is to actually intend to learn these things Jesus is teaching us. And that will very likely take both time and effort, as well as a good dose of patience and grace for ourselves and for others doing this with us. For example, there was a time when each of us didn't know how to drive a car. Is that true? Is there any exceptions? Please raise your hand if, that, if there are. I don't think we're born with that knowledge. I don't think it's just given to us straight up, right? We didn't know. And yet, I look around the room, and each, if not just many of us, have learned to drive. And how incredible the freedom and the opportunities that were given to us when we did. I mean, the world got so much bigger. But that did take time to learn. It did take some effort to learn. And now you can drive naturally, consistently, and easily. Some of us are further along that process than others, I recognize. But, but so it is with learning to live in the kingdom. Jesus teaches us how to do that. We are his disciples. We're his students, and he is our teacher. But what does his curriculum look like? How does he teach us? What is this key that unlocks our understanding of the kingdom? Well, you'll have to wait until next week for the answer. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're running out of time. But for now, I leave you to at least think over what we've discussed today, this, this foundation that will carry us through. I not only leave you to think about it, I leave you with some extra credit to do as well. Now, I call it extra credit and not homework because we're Asian. We're just like everyone else. We don't like homework. But if there's extra credit, <laughs> oh, yeah, we're doing the extra credit. So I, I have a few activities and whatnot that you can engage in. Uh, the first one is uh, basically going through Psalm 23 before yourself. And when something hard happens, you're going into something that you are dreading, you're not looking forward to, actually say to yourself, even though I, and then you fill in that blank, you know, even though I, I, I did get into a nasty fight with someone, or even though I, I have to go into work tomorrow to my uh, job that I just absolutely hate, uh, I will not be afraid. You are with me. And actually, I really do love that a few people have taken out their phones and uh, are taking photos. This slide is going to go away, so I give you all permission to take out your phones and, and take a snapshot. Um, yeah, please do. The next activity, um, this is one that we tested out with a small group of us for a couple of weeks in a row every day at the same time we would message it to each other. But it's basically come up with your own beatitude for someone around you. Blessed are the whoever. So, so you're at work, you're on your commute, you're getting groceries, 
And, and you remember that this is an activity that we are trying on, practicing. You look at someone, just kind of size them up and come up with a beatitude for them. You know, blessed are the autistic. Are the autistic blessed? Blessed are the hard to get along with. Blessed are the awkward. Just come up with your own. So those are some more engaging activities. If you uh, are more of a reader and want to read, you can be reading Matthew 4, starting in verse 17, all the way through Matthew 7, verse 29. So that's going to cover Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. Uh, I write preferably in one sitting, only because that is how Jesus intended it, as he was telling it for the first time. He is, uh, it's a sermon, right? It's, it's a, a talk. He's trying to make a point, and he's using many illustrations to describe that point. They're not little mini sermonettes, though there's some value in that too, right? Try to read it in one sitting. I think we can do it. It's not so long. And then lastly, it's a reflection question slash activity. Uh, read the Beatitudes. So that's going to be Matthew 5, verses 3 through 10. And the question is, what unblessable condition do you face? Are you poor? Are you ugly? Ah, I don't know. I'm not saying you are. <laughs> Incompetent, shy, old, awkward, whatever. What condition do you face? And after reflecting on that for a little bit and you feel really great about yourself, say out loud to yourself, blessed am I the old ugly person or whatever. <laughs> I don't think any of you are that, just for the record. <laughs> blessed am I, for the kingdom of heaven is available and accessible to me. Now, I know some of these might be awkward, especially that last one. Do say it out loud. You can be alone if that helps. It might be awkward if it's different, but embrace it and just try these on, try them out, see what comes of it. Also, I will make a point to say, make arrangements for these things to happen. Set an alarm on your phone as a reminder. Again, you have permission to do that now if you like. Put a sticky note on your mirror, go on your Google Calendar, block out time, where you are just going to sit and read and reflect and do these things. My uh, father-in-law has a wonderful five Ps. I'm gonna get it wrong, but it's pretty much the right point. He says, proper planning prevents poor performance. <laughs> the five Ps, basically, if you fail to plan, then you're planning to fail. Really plan for these things. Make arrangements for them to happen. Really do try this out. We're, we're learning, right? This is, this is new. Uh, this is maybe not really real to us yet, but we can learn. If, after sincerely trying these out, and you do not sense yourself increasingly seeing the kingdom of heaven as really real, and I do say increasingly, not fully, but increasingly. That's all we're saying. Seeing it as really real. God with us as really real. Then come let me know. We'll go back to the drawing board. We'll figure it out together. 
And that's what we're doing, is figuring this out together. But just try it first. Try it out. Don't do nothing. I guarantee you will notice a change. Well, let's pray for some of these things, shall we? Our Father in heaven, your name is good. Your name is holy. Let your will be done and your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. God, we do thank you that you are good and kind and patient with us and that through your son you have done what is needed to make your kingdom available and open and present to us. That we can access it, even the lowest of us, without exception. We thank you that you are not a distant God who maybe made us and forgot about us, but you're still with us. You're present with us. You care about us. You care about what is good for us. God, we, we do believe, but sometimes we want to pray, help our unbelief, because these things can be hard to see. And, and that's okay, God. I, I know you're working on us. And so, like you opened Hagar's eyes to see the well of water that would give her life, open our eyes to see your kingdom around us, actually in our lives. And as we go into communion to remember your son, I do pray that it, it impacts us and it, we get a strong uh, impression that you are with us. Your son, Emmanuel, is God with us. You, you broke bread with us. You, you dined with us. And you said that you will surely be with us to the very end of the age. We believe this, God, but help us in our unbelief. We love you and we trust you. In your son's name, we pray. Amen.